Welcome to the Grantland Basketball Hour. Here's Bill and Jane. Welcome to the Grantland Basketball Hour. That's Jalen Rose. I'm Bill Simmons. We were in the Fab Five together once upon a time. <laughs> you were on the team because you kept the grade point average really high. <laughs> it was great. With the overall group. I made a couple threes. <laughs> it was good. All right, we're going to talk about the winners and the winners of the NBA playoffs. But first, we got to mention John Wall. You had a similar hand injury to him. He's got five... What is it, non-displaced fractures or whatever? You don't feel good about this. I don't want to be Dr. Benjamin Carson here, but I did have this injury that John Wall has. I heard it in the first game of preseason. I missed the six remaining games of preseason and the first ten games to start the year. That was around four weeks. If you're a Wizards fan, I hate to say it, you might have seen the end of John Wall for this year's playoffs. Oof. Well, if this were pro wrestling, he would come out in the Cowboy Bob Orton cast, but I don't think that's going to happen here. Let's talk about the winners of the playoffs. We're going to go positive. First of all, Paul Pierce. The truth. A winner if you love veteran, crunch time, swagger, locker room leadership guys, right? East Coast killer, West Coast killer. What does it mean to have a guy like this when you're a young Wizards team? It means so much that not only he brings veteran leadership and a clutch performer late, but he's actually playing well the entire game. Yeah, it helps to lead by example when you're actually setting the example. Absolutely. He toyed with the Raptors, then he trolled Drizzy Drake right afterwards. (laughs) I love that. All right, next one. Tibbs. Tom Thibodeau. Not Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Uh, The Bulls have been trying to get rid of him for a while. It seemed like it was looking bad for him. Bad luck year after year after year. Derrick Rose gets hurt. He gets hurt again. Now, all of a sudden, look at this. They're playing the Cavs. No Kevin Love. Things looking up for Tibbs. This is the crazy thing about sports, how we always talk about it's all about winning. Yet the Bulls have one of the best coaches in the entire league, and they're trying to run him off publicly. And the team is just responding and continue to win basketball games. And they have a history of running out rough coaches. Here's another one. Steph Curry now. We know he won the MVP. We know he's already won this season. But we got to say, like, I love Game 3 against New Orleans. I like seeing the MVP actually act like the MVP. They came back from big double digits. He made some big shots, made the iconic shot in the corner. You love all that. The babyface assassin. It's really hard for a small guard to be unique. And we saw that with Tiny Archibald leading the league in scoring while leading the league in assists. Steph Curry has that potential. Playmaker, Maravich, Maravich Nash reincarnated. Here's another winner. This is a little ambiguous, but all the teams hoping to sign LaMarcus Aldridge. You know what helps? Not the Celtics. Well, no, we're in the mix. Come on. We're in the mix. We're alive. Uh, Portland basically blown out of that uh, round one. Did not look great. Aldridge did not have a good series. Did not seem especially happy. Now it's an uncertain future for him. What do you see happening? I would hate to see him leave Damian Lillard and hopefully Wesley Matthews when he gets healthy. But if I'm leaving, go Spurs, go! Oh, wow. No question about Tim Duncan, it. No, pass the no torch. Doubt. I would right. love to be a Spur, and he's from Texas. No state taxes. And then our last one, Adam Silver. I don't know if you saw before game two, the MVP ceremony. He comes out. A huge ovation from the crowd. This is on the heels of last week. Roger Goodell is getting booed after every single NFL draft pick. Does Adam Silver have the highest approval rating of any commissioner you can remember? He needs a stenographer following behind him with the Charlie Sheen button that says winning. (laughs) Ever since he took over, how about this? Disgraced Donald Sterling sold the team, but for $2 billion. Yeah. And he got rid of the 2-3-2 playoff format, which stunk. Yeah. All right, and our final winner. Blake Griffin, who's who's winning in all kinds of ways. First of all, 
He won one of the best seven-game series we've ever had. He toppled Tim Duncan. He is putting up crazy, crazy numbers. And Jalen, the question here is, is this a hot streak or is this something else? Is something special happening here? Is something brewing? Is he now a superstar? Big Daddy Kane said it best. He's so full of action, his name should be a verb. Blake Griffin was the third most versatile player in the league this year. Russell Westbrook and LeBron James are in the conversation. He's just taking it to another level. In the playoffs versus the Spurs, you eliminate the defending world champion. Now you're doing it in the second round versus a three seed without Chris Paul the first two games of the series. And let's look at the numbers because, hey, you know, we always see these stats where it's like, oh, this guy, only five guys have done this. But first of all, 25, 10, and 5 with the 25 PR. This is not something that happens very often. <laughs> you have... Look at this list, too. You got Larry Bird. You got Oscar Robertson. Legend! These are all, these are all the, the top 25 guys, basically. And Blake, we should mention, eight assists, not five. So you get, he's been borderline triple-double. Absolutely. You get the anomaly with Steph Curry because he's going to get you five-plus three-pointers made plus get you five assists. Same with Blake Griffin. He's going to get you ten rebounds and five assists. Just so happens he averages 20 points per game. He's really getting it done. So from a basketball standpoint, and I've been going to Clipper games for five, six years, the big difference I've noticed, I always thought in the back of his mind, I want to get on YouTube was part of his mentality. He when he played, it's like, I want to dunk on guys. I want to put on a show. I want the crowd cheering. I want to embarrass guys I'm playing against. The guy I watched in that Spurs series was, how can I win? What do I have to do? When I'm going to the basket, I'm trying to get fouled. I'm trying to get three-point plays. I'm not trying to dunk over everybody. I'm trying to set up my teammates. It reminded me of, bite my tongue, blasphemy, a little bit of Larry Bird without the threes, the way they used him at the top of the key. Now shoot me down for that. Never use Larry Bird Thank you. and Blake Griffin in the same Thank sentence you. unless it's a 2010-5 stat. Oh, Larry Bird highlights. Hold on. I can't Legend! Legend! But the thing about Blake Griffin is when you're the type of athlete that he is, of course you're going to rely on it. It's almost like a mobile quarterback. When the rush is there, you're going to rely on your feet or your legs to get out of the pocket. Well, now he's slowed down. He can make the 15 to 18-foot shot. And don't overlook Chris Paul's role in this. Yes. Allowing Blake to grow into his game. Same with DeAndre Jordan, running, jumping, dunking, and blocking shots. He's been the maestro. Blake Griffin is the second-best creator on their team. Now, I got to ask, like Chris Paul one of the best creators in the league. Blake Griffin is now becoming one of the best creators in the league. He's now doing it game after game in the playoffs. And I think it's going to work for this postseason. I think they have a real chance to beat Golden State. I don't think they will because of their bench. But I think they have a real chance. I didn't think that three weeks ago. Ultimately, can you have two creators on the same team? Is that a good thing? Absolutely, it's a good thing because they don't play the same position. You're getting... Uh, Chris Paul giving you the 20 and 10 from the point guard position, a lot of pick and roll scenarios. With Blake, you get the pick and pop and or the pick and roll. But when you throw the basketball back to him, he can make a play for himself. He's going to dribble, drive it to the paint. He can make the short shot, lob it over to DJ, or kick it out to Redick for three. He's really a skilled player. And I agree with you. And I also think the, the underrated part of this is this could extend Chris Paul's career. You know, this is something where, all right, I'm going to throw it. You're playing some, playing Brooklyn in December. Be like, you know, I'm going to take tonight off. My knees are a little bit. Blake, your show. Here are the car keys. Run it, run it for me. And also, in playing against the Utah Jazz when I was in the league, the toughest thing about going against their squad is you never knew what they were running. It was almost like hand signals. John Stockton had the ball. You knew the wings were going to cross. You knew mailman was trailing. But you pretty didn't know much because they weren't calling out sets. 
That's what I see with the Clippers. It's all about motion. It's all about read and react. And that's really hard to defend. I want to show you uh, the iconic 28 and under power forward seasons because this is really important. I think before you turn the age of 28, so it's be either six, seven, eight years, whatever it is in the league, you want to have one moment in the playoffs where you lay the smack down, where you show everybody, look, this is something's really happening here with me. And you look at those numbers, and Blake's kind of in that mix, like the numbers he's putting up. And those are some iconic seasons, by the way. Nowitzki, that was the year that uh, they almost beat Miami in the finals. That was KG's one great season. Duncan was insane in 2003. You're going down the line. Um, the other question for you, would you have wanted to play with so-and-so is one of my favorite questions with you. From what you've seen with Blake Griffin right now, would you have wanted to be in his team? No doubt about it, absolutely. I'll be Matt Barnes, spotting up, knocking down, open shots. You shot. right now. I'll, I'll tell you this. No, I'll tell you who I'll be right now. Hito Turkoglu, okay? Every time you, you see him checking the game, I'm somewhere on the treadmill, I promise. There's an NBA check out there for me if Hito Turkoglu still getting me. <laughs> He do fell down in game two going for a loose ball, and I thought he was going to break his hip. <laughs> and by the way, so, oh, no. but it was fake hustle because his teammate was going to pick up the ball. But that's what happens when you get old. you got to show that you're still worthy of getting on the floor for a loose ball. I'd like to thank Heydu Turkoglu for reminding me of all the reasons I stopped playing pickup basketball. <laughs> As I watch, like, oh, yeah, I used to do that. Oh, that's why I quit. Uh, so where do you see this going with Blake? The sky's the limit, literally. And, uh... Once he won the dunk contest, to your point, when you jump over a car and you're such an explosive player, you dunk on Mozgov, you dunk on Gasol, these plays become scenarios of their own. But now he's just a really good basketball player that's focused on winning. So when you talk about the best power forwards in the league, he's holding the mantle right now. Here's the one thing, my concern, and it's not even a concern, but round one, the Spurs showed him a ton of respect. They did none of the stuff that some of the other bully teams have done, trying to get in his head, knocking him down. And I think he played that way. He played recklessly, partly because he knew the Spurs weren't going to cheap shot him. Round two, Houston, same thing. They don't, they don't have anybody who's really tough enough to bully him, knock him down. When they get to the Warriors series, Bogut's going to knock him down. Draymond Green's going to knock him down. Whoever, Festus Azili, whoever, that's going to be part of their blueprint is to get in his head, knock him down, don't give him easy layups, don't give him easy dunks. How will he respond to that? I think he'll be just fine. And that's where basketball becoming a team game really is going to pay off. He's going to need depth. He's going to need J.J. and Barnes to do what they've done recently, make shots. He's going to need Austin Rivers to have a game or two. They're going to need Jamal to be consistent. Blake Griffith's production is consistent. It's not a flash in the pan. This is what you're going to see. Well, I hope this works out for Blake Griffin because I think he needs more commercials. Uh, <laughs> coming up, we have the GOAT of women's basketball. Literally the GOAT. Diana Taurasi will be here. We'll be right back. This is the greatest women's player of all time, Diana Taurasi. Here's the resume. Three WNBA titles, two finals MVPs, three gold medals going for four in 2016, mm -hmm. three NCAA championships, five EuroLeague titles. Yeah, yeah. You, you just win. Why didn't the Clippers add you to their, <laughs> as your, their 15th man? They I mean, after watching last night, I think. Uh... <laughs> uh, so you're in Russia. You're playing this yeah. year professionally. Yeah. And it's 13 hours earlier or later? Uh, ahead. So you're watching League Pass all year in the mornings. All morning. And who are you watching? Um, well, on the East Coast, I try to watch, you know, Cleveland, because that was the story every night. How's Cleveland? So Cleveland, 
Chicago, and then my beloved Lakers, which mm. by mid-March weren't getting washed anymore. <laughs> like, done. And then my, like, secondary team are the Phoenix Suns. So by, like, mid-Feb, they weren't washed. So, like, the Warriors and, you know. But the Clippers are kind of sucking you they in a little are. bit. I, my first Clipper game was game two versus San Antonio, and I felt so guilty because I'm a Laker fan. I promise. Except... You know, the Clippers, they've, they've been fun to watch. They've, like, turned the corner. Something, something happened, like... So what do you think happened? Well... You think something happened with Blake? Oh, yeah. You can tell. You know, there, there are certain times in your career where, you know, the, the switch flips and, and you're playing effortless out there. You're doing things that look amazing and, and you don't feel it. So I think this is the year where he's turned the corner. And I think it's just the beginning. I really do. I think it's, it's the beginning. It's kind of like LeBron. Those first couple years, you see it, but, you know, it, it would just all break down. It's not going to break down anymore. So are you ready to make a, a Western Conference prediction, an Eastern Conference prediction, an NBA Finals one? This is a talking head show. <laughs> like, well, Bill and I were talking earlier. This is the one year where I feel like the, the best team has to play the best every night to win. When in the past, Miami could, you know, squeak by teams. San Antonio, when they were really good. Even go back, the Bulls, like, you know, you'd go watch Bull games, and they're, they're horrible to watch now. They barely get to 90, but they would win. Like, this year in the playoffs, you have to play really well to win every night. And if you don't, you lose. So it's strange. When you're watching these games, are you, are you thinking, like, man, now that would be a fun team to play in. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wish I could oh, be yeah. there. So who's that team this year? <laughs> Once again, I love the stuff. Doc runs the best stuff in the league right now. And, and it's little things. Like, DeAndre comes up, slips, and sets a down pick for J.J. Reddick. It's such a small thing. But, you know, when you're on defense, what are you thinking? High pick and roll. Ooh, I got a hedge. I'm late on that. Three. You know, those are, like, the little things I really watch. That's also Jalen's team because he wants to be hated Turkaloo. The out. same reason, because they create situations where you always have to chase. Right. Or you got to defend the lob, and it's impossible to be in two places at one time, literally. And, of course, she likes the Clippers right now. They're actually playing. They're playing. The Lakers aren't playing, so playing. she didn't get a chance to watch her beloved Lakers this and, year. And Golden State, I mean, how can you yep. not like them? I mean, you usually pick the team with the most talent. Over a seven-game series, who can make more basketball plays than them? I don't know who can. She's like, got to explain her, her theory about why Steph Curry would, has the greatest WNBA game of all oh, time. Oh, yeah, he's got the best WNBA highlights of all rim. time. Below the rim. Reverse layups, step mm-hmm. back threes. You know, as, <laughs> as uh, you know, fellow step back threer, you're <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? That needs a little bit more respect in the world. And there's probably, like, every guy in here could probably do that. Right. You know, at one point in his career or in your, I don't know, pickup games. Uh, you know, you can respect that. Kind of like when Steve did it. You know, it was like the everyday man. Correct. And so highlights. Are, are the fundamentals back? Because there was a time when it was the ooh and ah, Allen Iverson type crossover. Now it's the Curry, Kyrie Irving Done. type handle. I think that power game is, is dead and gone. I mean, uh, you just, I, I don't think you can win like that anymore. Um, there's too many skilled players out there. And you need guys that, that can play basketball. Uh, it's not the NFL draft. You know, yeah, you could run, you can jump. Uh, but if you don't know when to do it, who cares? 
Right? Like, you weren't the most athletic player. At all. I couldn't but jump what, over tiny, oh, that a piece like of a paper. Shot. No, 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 she's no. a basketball fan. Look, she can com- say that. Compared. It's not a diss it's not. if it comes from your peers. It's, it's compared. Okay. So com- if I said it, it would have been a diss. <laughs> yeah. Because compared to you. Yeah. <laughs> compared to you, it's Carl Lewis over here. Like, yeah. You know, We've th- seen it. Compared. Yep. Like, you compared me to other WNBA, I'm, like, the least athletic guy out there. Right. So we don't rely, we've never relied on those things, but that's what's made our careers longer, too. When you when you play, and I've got had the chance to see you in person. Mm-hmm. First of all, you talk all the time. Yeah. You're riding the refs. You're riding oh, yeah. your teammates. You're yelling at the coaches. Yeah. You're yelling at the other players. Oh yeah, I'm in what, it. What what player, what NBA player would you compare yourself to? Because to me, it's like there's a lot of Chris Paul what? in the stuff you're doing. Oh no, 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 no. Because yeah, he's yeah. talking, he's yelling, well, the, he's doing all this. The talk to my teammates is just to make sure they're there. Are you here? Are you in this moment? Like, are you involved in what's going on? And I probably get that from Coach Oriama. Like, he would throw, if you're not talking in practice, he'd throw you out. Go, get out. I don't want you here. So that, like, chatter is, like, my nervous energy, mm. making sure everyone's involved. And then the other side is just, just, I want to beat you so bad. No. And the yelling at the rest is, like, any motivation I need right now, I'll take it. Mm. And then I'll kiss people once in a while on the court. You know? <laughs> No question about it, because the game is obviously physical, but it's a lot more mental. And when you have the skill set that you have, you keep yourself engaged, which keeps your teammates engaged. Without a doubt. It's like, if she's not doing it, well, what am I going to do out here? You know? Right. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's evolved, too, as, as I've gotten older. You know, I've, I've kind of let that go a little bit. And, uh, you know, I've got to use this energy to play now. Where, when you're younger, you, could, you don't need anything. Well, I've actually sent you a tweet before, and it was a congratulatory tweet, and I, you can correct this math yeah. if I'm wrong. Oh, you got it up there, okay, early February. Now, all I know is this. You were getting paid $1.6 million over a 12-month calendar period to play basketball. Yeah. Overseas, they were paying you 99% of it. Right. What does this say about the WNBA? I mean... Math doesn't lie, right? Not at all. I mean, it's just, I, people always ask me this question. It's like, okay, Messi goes to Barcelona to play soccer. Does he go to Argentina and play in the recreational, you know, league during the summer? Yeah. No. So why, why have you been put in a position to do that? And I know it's different. You know, Europe is different. Free market. You know, you got all these billionaires that just love it. They're not doing it for profit. They're not doing it for media. You know, it's like... One rich Russian who loves basketball and pays you a lot of money. You're like the hi- the, the hired assassin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the WNBA is trying to be a league of longevity, of, you know, we're near 19, hopefully gets to 40. And, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a crawl lately. And uh, I think I need to start running a little bit. Mm. We, we were talking earlier about Russell Westbrook mm. and – you know, you're the best basketball player of all time on the women's side, mm-hmm. and you seem to identify with these certain career tipping points that people mm-hmm. have. Yeah. And you noticed something with Westbrook during this season. What was it? Oh, that, that rage against the machine, that, that um, just going 120 every possession. But why? What was the Why? Well, I mean, there's this, this fear of, like, you know your team's not good enough, but I'm going to try to do everything. Like, in, oh, I want to say, oh nine, we won the WNBA championship the next year. Uh... Kepi Pondexter, we have a couple injuries, and we weren't very good. I'm just putting my head down and going every single time. Because you felt like 
this is a whole year of my life I'm about to lose. I can't let this happen. You might I as have well to make save the, this. You might as well make the best out of Can it. Can you go too far with it, though, yeah, where you override I mean, your teammates and stuff? It's not sustainable. It's not. Like, you, you see the best players right now. They're calm. They're controlled. They know what they're doing on every possession. They pick and choose when they do it. And, and he'll get to that point. And when he does, that's when he's going to be really, really scary. Not the... 35 and 15 and 15, but the 28, 11 and 4, and they're winning 60 games. Mm. And that's what we were talking about earlier with Blake Griffin. You're just basically describing when the game actually slows down and you're able to beat people with your knowledge and skill, mm. not necessarily your athletic traits. That, that's, that's when it's really fun to play. That's when you know you have everything in control. you got to just wait. Pick and choose your moment. That's when it, that's when basketball really becomes really fun. Like a sniper in the woods. You just nothing nothing hurts. Everything's easy. Like that, that's a good time. What have you noticed about as you keep talking about you when you're getting older? It seems yeah. like you have a fear of the mortality of your career. What have you noticed as you've gotten older? Even though the town is still there, what are the things you're worried about? <sighs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at that stage yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. No, but I mean, I'm just like you're trying, to, <laughs> you're trying to hang <laughs> on to the. You know, I'm not. You're trying to hang on to the apex, though. Yeah, you are. You are. Right. And, and now you're like, you think about everything. Like, should I eat that? Uh, should I go to bed at 9:30? Uh, should I do Pilates? Should I do yoga? Should I go paddleboard? You're like, yeah. What's new? What What can I do that that can help me get that, or or actually just keep on playing with that edge? And uh, sometimes it's almost just like theoretically thinking about it. How can I get better? Mm. What would you have done differently if you could do the first eight years, or actually years seven through 11 of your career over again? What would well, you when do? I went from college to the NBA, I felt like it would be a smart decision to stop drinking malt liquor. That's probably not the best that, thing for a professional that's athlete. That's always a smart decision. Right. Um, <laughs> as my career progressed, I don't think this hurt or helped per se, but for some reason I told myself I wanted to stop eating pork. So I did that, to your point, dieting, nutrition, yeah. and uh, trying to eat better. But... Just getting rest and playing as hard as you can. Yeah. It's, it's not brain surgery. No, and at the end of the day, if you're not good, that's not going to help you anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, you can eat as good as you want. If you're just not a good basketball player, that's not going to help you. But you have this whole, you could have this whole second stage of your career that Jalen still feels cheated on, where you could just be the stretch three for an extra four years. You yeah. spot up until I 2025. I don't, I don't know if I have that in me, though. You go crazy? Like it, could I you mean, be a player coach? That, that I could do, but the stretch three... I, I don't know if I, I'm built for that. Maybe maybe later on, but I don't know. That would that would be hard. Jaylen's and you said you'd want to. You don't want to be turkey. Uh, not at all. That's why I yes, joined the media. But but you got to remember, like she has a versatile game. Like and she mentioned it earlier. The skills are back in the game where players can actually dribble, pass, and shoot. Yes. And when you're used to creating for yourself and for others, that becomes more exciting, like a LeBron James, than a spot up three point right. shot. I I agree. The game I. I really think the game is changing. I mean, I know you guys watch it. You can see it. You can see it. You can see by the players are on the court, all those small fours. Mm. Like, who re- – I mean, I know Blake's a power forward, but, what, he's 6'8". Back to the basket, limited now. All his plays are off pick and rolls, create. The five. Throw ahead, the, create. Absolutely. The centers are not either skilled. They're going to post up like Brooke Lopez or Al Jefferson. Or will guys like DeAndre Jordan or uh, Dwight Howard just run, jump, dunk, and block shots? Right. The four spot really tells how the game has changed because you said it. Blake, he's different than Draymond Green, who's different from Anthony Davis. Mm. 
I we mean, have to go, but one quick question. Mm -hmm. If you could pick any NBA player to play with, who would you, who would you pick? Steve Nash. He's not in the NBA anymore. Steve Nash. You got to play oh, with him. Oh, in the NBA. Yeah, right now. I can't say Kobe because is, he, is he Kobe in or out? You he, wouldn't want yeah, to. Yeah, oh, I got to tell you something. He gets $23 million from the National Basketball so, so he's Association. In. Yes. yes. Kobe. <laughs> he's All a right. Celtic Easy. fan. Don't oh, ever I get know. Thank you to Diana Taurasi. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back with Jalen. He's going to keep it 100 after this. Welcome back. This is the part of the show where Jalen keeps it 100. Go ahead. Absolutely. Keep it 100. No doubt about it. Let's get a people what First they up, want. tone deaf Cavs. Yes, let's go to the Eastern Conference playoffs. Newsflash Cleveland Cavaliers. If you haven't been paying attention to boxing this past weekend, Floyd Mayweather was in the ring. He's had past domestic issues. What about the NFL draft? The Seattle Seahawks, as well as the Dallas Cowboys dealing with domestic violence. Hey, look, we know you have LeBron James on your team and you have an opportunity to win the championship this year. But you can't continue to promote domestic violence in your ads for your team. Tone deaf move, bad call. Loud music. I love music just like anyone else. As a matter of fact, I'm a moonlighting DJ. The Motown Town, as a matter of fact. talking about Joe Kim Noah Joe Kim Noah first team all NBA last year the Chicago Bulls really need him to play better basketball if they're going to advance in this series but make it I'm gonna be a little more direct one for 14 <laughs> on free throws I'm gonna keep it 100 with you Joe you making DeAndre Jordan look like Ray Allen mm. maybe they're gonna think about following him later in this series Stay tuned. He can't even keep it 7%. Uh, Jalen Rose, you're keeping it 100 to yourself. Absolutely. I'm going to keep it 100 with who? Me. That's who? Kevin Love. They were giving out arm slings at the game yesterday. When I tell you, mm -hmm. PR and teams and public relations and fans, they know how to keep a player in uniform. You know when a guy has an option next year for $16 million that was going to try to play well in the playoffs and go to Los Angeles, as I predicted Boston. this summer. He's not walking away from that $16 million. Cleveland, congratulations. Kevin Love will be in uniform next so year. just flip five. Tim Duncan, last one. <laughs> the big fundamental, Timmy. And you know the thing I love about him the most? He's the kind of guy, after they lose to the Los Angeles Clippers, they are in Hollywood. He's carrying the 15th man with his undershirt on <laughs> to the bus because he's folded. This of course, yes. he's not walking away from the NBA. Timmy, I have some advice. Keep getting them checks. <laughs> Pop is getting $11 million a year. More than Timmy Dunn. Was there a better example of Tim Duncan being the greatest teammate he's of all time the than best, that? Because he shouldn't even know that guy's name, and he's carrying him to the He bus. knew his name in game one when he was killing him, <laughs> when Blake Griffin was killing him. So let's talk about Tim Duncan. Okay, let's because do Because I really thought he was going to retire after that series. 
And he was the best spur in that series. He was one of the best three players in that series, and that was one of the greatest seven-game series we've ever had. I read the, pre- the post-game quotes very carefully. I read Popovich's stuff very carefully. There was no hint of Tim Duncan retiring. Everybody seems to think he's going to retire. We both think he's coming back, right? Appreciate greatness. He is not walking away from the game. He was the best San Antonio spur all season. Led the team to the playoffs, and in the playoffs against the Clippers, he was their most consistent player. Not only posting up and scoring the ball, he's still turning around making his bank shot over a player that's bigger than DeAndre Jordan. Yep. He's still getting double-figure rebounds. And he's, he's still doing blocking it on one shots. leg. Absolutely. He's one leg. He's a perfect example of how your game changes when your athleticism leaves. So, year eight, he just finished year 18. I thought Larry Bird was the greatest forward of all time. I was willing to concede LeBron James is probably coming because he just did 12 years, four straight finals, four MVPs, just been astoundingly durable. I mean, I'm not ready to admit it to myself yet, but the LeBron case is probably there. And yet here we have 18 years of Tim Duncan. So if you're starting a team and you could pick any of these guys, wouldn't it make sense to take 18 straight years of Tim Duncan over anything else? And 50-plus wins per year. Every year. You can book that he's going to be a rock on your team and anchor to not only lead in the locker room, but more importantly, lead on the floor. And also be the kind of guy that's going to play with David Robinson and learn. The kind of guy that's going to lead. Then the guy that's going to bring along Manu Ginobili, bring along Tony Parker, as well as Kawhi Leonard. At the same time, we're all still taking Bird, right? Absolutely. He's on Mount Rushmore. Can't, can't do that. <laughs> so, great seven-game series, because I think that was one of Awesome. Them. You played in another one of what I think was one of the 12 best seven-game series since the ABA-NBA merger, which was really when basketball started. When the two leagues merged, Dr. J comes in the NBA. That's when modern basketball became basketball. Um, 98, Bulls-Pacers, seven games. You had them. MJ had no legs anymore. He just has to go to the line every time. His jump shot's gone. Pippen's got the bad back. Rodman's staying out 24-7. You had him. You were close. You couldn't close it. But when did you know that was a great series? When you're playing in a great series, and we saw it with the Clippers and the Spurs, when you actually look across at your opponent and be like, that was a good shot. Like that was oh, like a, a mutual re- admiration. That, that was a really good play. When there's constantly great plays being made at a high level, when everyone's effort is there, concentration and intensity is high, yet the guy is just so much better on that play. That's how it was in 98. We were beating them by 17 points in the second quarter. Oh, yeah. Then they turned up the defensive intensity and basically stole the ball from us multiple possessions and had the lead or were close going into halftime. So, you know, the old saying, Styles make fights. We saw Saturday night, Styles didn't make the fight with Pacquiao Mayweather. The styles of the Clippers and Spurs were just perfect. And it reminded me of the Pacers and Bills. Weirdly, that those were great styles, too. Like, at some point, you're in a game like that. Game 7 was, of Clips-Spurs was exceptionally played. And at some point, when you're in a game like that, do you realize it's that well played or are you just so in the moment? You're like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. You definitely realize when you're on the Spurs how well Chris Paul is playing with a hamstring injury. Right. You see him grab his hamstring on a fast break and make a three over Tony Parker, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. The last play of the game, oh, I'll take it to the end of the third. Austin Rivers creates a bad foul where a guy was shooting a 75-foot three. 
Yep. Chris Paul comes down, broken play. The basketball guys just rewarded a guy that's been out there every game this year. And then at the end of the game, being guarded by a shooting guard and Danny Green, being contested by Tim Duncan. Now, normally the point guard is actually being guarded by the point guard. Uh, but since they don't have a wing player that can take advantage of that matchup, you can put every wing on Chris Paul. That's Danny Green. He's pushing off a watch, shooting guard. And watch how Blake... Blake, no fear for anything. He's just going in. He's going to get it. Last thing, I wrote about uh, I wrote about that game in Duncan on Tuesday for Grantland. And a reader sent me a great email that I thought was a good way to sum up the Spurs. Because they've won five titles. Their, their place in history is ir- irreplaceable. Um, he was saying, like, in wrestling, sometimes you have those, those champs, former champs, that put over the new guy. Right? Like, right now, it's John Cena. When you beat John Cena, that's the best thing you can do. And the Spurs have had this way of putting over people over and over again. Like, they did it with Dirk and the Mavericks. They did it with Nash and the Suns. They did it in 2012 with Oklahoma City. They did it this year with the Clippers, where you go through the Spurs, you're in a better place after you went through them. Don't you think that's kind of part of their legacy? They're the champs even when they're not the champs. Correct, and that's when you know that you set the standard and your legacy is one that everyone's try- every team is trying to duplicate. That's why when you look around the league, in front offices, on sidelines, people making decisions, a lot of them are from the Spurs tree. Right. And players that go there and do well are able to parlay that opportunity into big contracts for other teams. And lastly, it's definitely a confidence booster for the team that knocks them out that right. year. Like, don't you think like Blake Griffin's <laughs> career is different now because he went through that series, he beat Duncan, he learned from it. It's at a different point now, and that had to be part of it. New Orleans was better against Golden State because they beat the Spurs the last game of yep. the regular season. No question. The Clippers were better game one against the Rockets because of the same reason. Yep. Well, it's, like, it's almost like the New England Patriots in football, but a much less controversial version. <laughs> Speaking of controversial, the most controversial GM in basketball, Daryl Morey. He's here. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Grantland Basketball Hour. Here's Bill, Jalen, and special guest, Daryl Morey. All right, a couple, couple little-known facts about Daryl Morey. Unbelievable Papa Shop player. One of the great Papa Shop players of all time. <laughs> Huge Cleveland fan. Correct. Grew up a diehard Mark Price, Doherty-era Cleveland fan. And there's a chance there's a Houston Cavs. But what do you do in a Houston Cavs final? You just turn against Cleveland? Yes, I would turn against. All right, pretty I'm easy. glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> pretty easy. Uh, my Darty fandom's going down after last night. He, he took, oh, he took, took a bunch shots? of shots at us. Yeah. Did but, you Did you have any money left, or did you give it all to Jerry Crawford last night after the game? <laughs> jokes, kidding, jokes. Hey, Sixty-four every, free throws. Every time I'm on your show, yeah, I, I get fined. So I'll, I'll get fined. I'm going to get fined this time. Maybe, maybe you can get fined were for you, me. Were you worried? Because game one, it's like you're thinking, oh no, Chris Paul, this will be. They're tired. Seven game war. I'll be frank. I have trouble watching at times. It's it's there's so much on the line for the players, the team, everything. That's very, sometimes very hard to watch. So uh, not from an aesthetic. The free throws are even interesting if you if you have so much stake in the game. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's you know obviously this is our best shot I've had in a long time to to advance deep. Normally, when people talk about analytics in today's game, your name comes up right after, and then people look at your acquisitions and say you add Josh Smith who's not an analytic-driven player, obviously. No. And, obviously, and you have three players on your team that are some of the worst free-throw shooters in the game. 
So is analytics so explain that a part of the toolbox or the toolbox? I would say, you know, Josh Smith definitely analytics in some way in that we're always looking for guys who can help us win. Uh, our depth wasn't great coming into the year. In fact, uh, talking to James Harden and Dwight Howard before the year, you know, the, there was some thought like, hey, how are we going to go to battle with the group we have? And they had faith, but they, they were like, hey, let's address the deal. I said, have faith. Things happen. We saved our biannual. No one could predict Josh Smith gets waived. In fact, I told both James and Dwight when the news broke, I was like, He's not getting waived. That's not happening. And uh, they said, well, it's in the news. I'm like, no, no one's going to do that. But then they waived him. And, uh, you know, both Dwight and James knew him. And, you know, he's been, uh, he's been a great player for us. And he's always been a great defender. And he's undervalued, you know. So we go after the undervalued guys. It's funny, like, that's really the analytics right now is kind of zigging where everybody else is zagging. And, I, and it seems like so many teams are thinking the same way. Like, I thought what Dallas did was really interesting a couple years ago, where it was like, hey, we have cap space. Uh, Monte Ellis is weirdly undervalued. We're going to get him. And they kind of built the team that way. Where's the next inefficiency in the league, or can you even tell us? Well, I like what Dallas does, and and we do. Yeah, we go after things. I mean, obviously, things didn't work out for Dallas, but I I like how they go after things. Our owner, Leslie Alexander, he goes after things. What's the next inefficiency? That's the nice thing. You don't don't really know, so that's a terrible answer in one one way. But I do think it's still defense. I think... uh, you know, defense is still something that's much harder to figure out how to unify a group and figure out how the length and everything will all combine. Uh, we spend a lot of time on that, and, and all our acquisitions this year were defensive-related, and that's how Josh fit in as well, mm-hmm. and Trevor and, and others. So, James Harden's become an MVP cam- candidate. Number two on my ballot. Dwight Number Howard. one on pe- my ballot. People question his health coming into the playoffs, and rightfully so. He's now playing like one of the top centers in the league. What do you see from Dwight? I think two years in a row, he's the best center in the playoffs. Obviously, that's that's money time. Twenty-eight and fourteen last year yeah, against the Blazers. Yeah. That's yeah, and I think he had twenty-six and fourteen yesterday, something like so. That's money time. Obviously, he had a lot of injury trouble during the year, but he's he showed up two straight playoffs, and uh, James and him are carrying us. So. so when you're watching that Spurs Clippers series, are you just rooting for them to just beat each other up to the point that they're just basically two limping carcasses going to the next round? <laughs> We definitely were rooting for seven games. and Triple uh, overtime. We could not decide who was better to play. I mean, both teams are so good. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we actually played the Spurs really well. I think we beat them seven out of the last ten times we played them. Um, our athleticism gives them trouble. They're so good at executing, though, we feared them. I mean, our execution is not theirs. Who is? Uh, the, the Clippers, they, their starting lineup is... We, you know, very hard to match up with. Uh, obviously, the, the two bigs no one can match up with. Chris Paul's unbelievable, but we felt like, you know, we might be able to make hay, you know, when they don't have all those guys on the floor. I appreciate your transparency. <laughs> and two things have come out in this interview that may, get me excited. One, he said, we didn't know who we truly wanted to play. That always is discussed amongst teams, coaches. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. To play. Yeah. But the other thing is what I want to get to is that the consulting of Dwight and of James of what you should do with the roster when a lot of teams try to distance themselves a lot of times from their roster when they're making decisions. Yeah, for right or wrong, I don't you know, everyone's got their own path and a lot of very successful teams don't consult the players. You know, we've got two, you know, great players in Dwight Howard and James Harden. I feel like 
as much as anything, I'm just a steward for them. Like, their careers are in somewhat in my hands. That's a big responsibility for me. So pretty much every big move, you know, I'm talking to them. You know, and yeah. I think that creates buy-in with the players. I think they appreciate it. There are some times there are uncomfortable conversations where they want someone and I'm having to say, hey, I get it, but I don't think he fits for X, Y, and Z. And we don't always agree, but... We've, I've been able to, with both Dwight and James, have discussions, and I think it's better for the team. One thing I've always wondered with you, because you, you know, you'll trade anybody, you'll sign anybody, you'll do whatever it takes to make the team better. Danny Ainge is like that, too, in Boston. And at one point, like, you, you have your guys you're building around, obviously, but at what point does everybody else in there, they're trying to buy into the culture you're building, but at the same time they're thinking... Well, this guy would trade anybody. He's made 100 transactions in the last seven years. So how do you balance that? Yeah, no, I, I think of it as phases. So when, when we lost Tracy and Yao and that team, you know, wasn't going to go forward, we were very upfront. I think the number one thing a GM can make a mistake is to ever mislead a player because that gets around, you know. So I was always upfront with these players. Look, you're here. We've got a great environment, but we're in a bit of a transition phase. You know, it's not going to be as stable as you as it as you like at this time. But we're going to be good for your career, and you're going to love it while you're here. And hopefully, you're there on the other side once we're where we want to be a playoff team. So we were very upfront of that. Now we are actually more stable. We had a lot of stability coming this year. I think we brought back um, eight, nine more than almost any team in the league this year. Coming up, we're going to bring back most of our players again. Yep. I think once you're in that 50 win range. Uh, having guys together, getting used to each other. I'm excited for this year's playoffs, and I'm excited that next year we're going to pretty much bring this core back and we can add so to it. So you're adding, you're not, you're not think remodeling anymore. Yeah, you're just kind of adding little things. We're going to operate above the cap almost for sure this summer. I mean, we have to explore everything, but we're going to operate above the cap. We're going to add some you know, medium-sized things most likely, small to medium-sized things, but we really believe in this group. Of the eight teams in the playoffs, Mike Conley as a starting point guard, and now Jason Terry with Beverly's out being out, are the only non-all-stars to be in the playoffs at that position. And I know James is not a primary ball handler. Can your team still take it there without that caliber player at that spot? I think so. I mean, because you need two great players at least. We have that. James, you, you've always said that. Yeah. You knew that from when you took the job in 2007. Or when I was with the Celtics I need before. two franchise guys or borderline franchise guys. And I think history bears that out. I mean, unless you have, like, the number one player in the whole league and they're at a, a big big gap, you really can't do it without two great players. Um, that position, you know, James does take a lot of the ball handling duties. So you, did, you either need a defender or a shooter next to James. Beverly was a big loss for us because he could ha he was sort of the head of our perimeter defense. Uh, but we have Jet out there who can really shoot the ball. So you need one of those two next to James. And obviously you need D Dwight to anchor the middle, set the screens, offensive rebound, and defend. But we didn't make any headlines in this interview, so I'm going to make one right now. <laughs> uh oh, here we go. Don't um, get fired either. Do you love the fact that there are still certain coaches out there who also think they can be a GM, as if your job could be something that's done as a second job, almost like like me, like hosting this show in my spare time when I'm running Grantland? <laughs> well, <laughs> Red, I mean, Red and Popovich are two examples of very successful, you know, coach, GM. Comments. Red Arbeck doesn't count. That was like a million years ago. They didn't it's have ball County boys back then. Rings. I, I'm just He's saying that in the sidelines. <laughs> it has worked, but I would say the vast majority is just too hard. The, the, you know, I'm in Europe for three weeks in March. It's just... 
the modern NBA, it's too hard to do. I would be a horrendous coach. I don't even try uh, if I ever did that. And I think, yeah, most coaches would struggle, and it's just a time thing. It's just Your very job's difficult. really hard, is my point. You're here, you're there. I'll be texting you and be like, yeah, I'm in Zimbabwe right now <laughs> looking at some power forward nobody's ever heard of. Like, you're everywhere. I mean, they're great jobs, uh, and I think both are hard. So you, you, none of us can complain. Do you know that Daryl invented the really goofy protected pick trade? <laughs> Where it's like, you can keep it if it's in the top three, but I get it from four through 15. Well, I was key to in the Did James you, Harden Were you in the trade. shower one day and you thought about that? Well, you know what? I, I can't take total. We have a fantastic team. I think one of our one of our smart guys came up with that. So, I, you know, I can't take credit for that one. But uh, we do have a whole think tank of people who are dreaming right. up goofy stuff, like protect every odd number and stuff like that. So. We have to take a break we, and we have to go. But defend Sam Hankey in one sentence. What he's done with Philly, because you've said to me, this is exactly what you would do if you ran a team like that. If I had the starting point he had, I think he made all the right choices. I think he's made great moves. Obviously, no one else appears to agree at this point, but I think it'll be proved out over time. And he has an asterisk, too, because Joel Embiid is a player. And if he becomes that caliber of player on the floor then it's, it seems to be worth it. I mean, just look, looking at the Rockets or the teams, you say you got to have two great players. Honestly, the draft has been where those come, mostly. So he's, he's not going to pretend until he's got two great players. I've flip-flopped my opinion on it 400 times. <laughs> and I'm going for 400 right now. Daryl Morey, good luck in round two. Best of luck. We'll see you in the Staples Center, and we'll be right back with the mailbag after this. Fresh Face is brought to you by Subway Restaurants. Subway, eat fresh. Well, it's time for our mailbag. We end every show this way. And uh, our Fresh Face from Subway, in an upset, Austin Rivers! Austin Rivers, overrated, underrated, properly rated, or nepotistically rated? Ask DJ and El Segundo. What do you think, Chase? He's found an NBA career. He got drafted as a lottery pick in New Orleans. They discovered that he wasn't necessarily a starting point guard or a starting shooting guard. But after you bounce around for a couple of teams, including the Boston Celtics, when they decide they don't want you, it becomes humbling. Now he understands that he's a role player, and that's what he's doing for the Clippers. I'm rooting for him. Me too. I'm actually rooting for him. I I think he has so much adversity, especially at the Clipper home games, that to watch him try to fight through it has been kind of compelling. Next one. Big games in San Antonio. Wow. You'll like this one. Zebo and Draymond are getting into it at some point in this Grizz Dub series. Who are you betting on? Jalen, you have a thought on this. Draymond Green representing Saginaw Pride, and obviously Zebo representing the Midwest Indianapolis. The battle of Tom Izzo. But if they got into a scuffle, I'm going with my guy that's been on the all dark alley team. Zebo. <laughs> There's a need. There's a reason why that's his nickname. There's never going to be Izzo on Izzo crime. Uh, LeBron's <laughs> headband gives him special powers. Oh. Why didn't this work for Jalen? Speaking of Michigan crime, this came from Michigan oh, and Arbor. What happened? Why didn't your Why didn't your headband work? It, everything works. Okay, <laughs> what you eat for pregame. Okay, the route you take to the game. Mm. It's a mental. Situation. A placebo. But when you're wounded, you go where you're comfortable. And LeBron did do that because yesterday was a must-win game. So you ended up taking your headband off. Well, I wore mine over my ears in Chicago so I wouldn't have to hear the noise. Uh, Has Jalen weighed in on naming next year's Tank of Palooza for Ben Simmons yet? (laughs) We're down to uh, plunder for down under and BS for BS. Do you like either of those? I like BS 
Four BS. Okay, so that's what we're going with for now. Uh, last one. <laughs> Who is keeping stats for Ice Cube in the pickup game <laughs> where he messed around and got a triple double? We need a Grandland investigation. All right, so if the game went to 21 and he had 10 baskets and 10 assists, who keeps track of assists in a pickup game? Hey, today was a good day. When you're in Boys in the Hood and you're a multimedia mogul and you go from NWA to Are We There Yet? Now you can put out straight out of Compton's movie. You're the star in your own show. All right, you were great at basketball. Did you ever have a triple-double in a playoff game? I did not, but I didn't rebound. All right, well, I don't know if we believe Ice Cube, <laughs> but our next episode is Tuesday, 7 Eastern. Today, thanks for watching. It was a good day.